So today we're going to look at the original bad boy of the Bible. The original bad boy of the Bible is Cain. And let's read Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And I'm going to talk to you about Cain, a rebel with a lost cause. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen for you. But those of you that brought a Bible, God bless you. Turn to Genesis 4, 1 to 5. And let's read. The man knew Adam, his wife Eve, intimately. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain and said, I have given life to a man with the Lord's help. She gave birth a second time to Cain's brother Abel. And Abel cared for the flocks and Cain farmed the fertile land. So Abel was a shepherd, Cain a farmer. Now sometime later, Cain presented an offering to the Lord from the Lord's or from the land's crops, while Abel presented his flock's oldest offspring with their fat. The Lord looked favorably on Abel and his sacrifice, but he did not look favorably on Cain and his sacrifice. And look what happened to Cain. He became very angry. He looked resentful. And who did he get mad at? He got mad at God. Anybody in here ever been mad at God? Maybe you're mad at God today. Well, watch this. The Lord saw that he was angry, so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why do you look so resentful? If you do the right thing, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do the right thing, sin will be waiting at the door, ready to strike. The King James says, sin will be crouching at your door, ready to pounce. It will entice you, but you must rule over it. Now, Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will drive it home by the Holy Spirit's power and change us and rearrange us. And Lord, if we're far from you, convict us and draw us near. But I pray that today this church will be saturated with the truth of the word of God. And because we're filled with his word and spirit, we'll go out and overflow to a dead and dying culture. And we thank you for it. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up. You're going to need this before you get home. All right. This is a um, very, very powerful story. The reason I chose Cain to go with first in this series is because it takes us all the way back. Cain's story reaches all the way back to the beginning. Genesis means the book of beginnings. It's where everything had its first. The, the, the book of Genesis, we could say, is a book of firsts. It's a first everything. And so Cain, it turns out, is the first bad boy of the Bible. He's the first child to ever be born. Has that ever occurred to you? He's the first child to ever be born. Let me put it to you this way. Adam and Eve had no navel. Cain had the first navel. Now, see, some of you weren't even looking at me until I said that. And now I have your undivided attention. But have you ever thought about it? It's true. Because he's the first one to be born. Adam and Eve were created. Full-grown adults. So, yes, I've had this question before. Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? No. Cain did. I wonder if he showed off. I don't know. But I'm trying to get you to think here. He's the first child to ever be born. He's the third human being to occupy planet Earth. The third human being. 
His name means acquirer, for Eve said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I think in a measure, you got to keep in mind, this was the first birth, and I think it was amazing. She said, wow, I have acquired, we have brought forth another human being, and I think the whole birth process amazed her, and so she named him to acquire. He's born on the heels of the great and tragic fall of man into sin, recorded in Genesis chapter 3. And that really was a dark and a black day because we're about to see sin immediately beginning to infiltrate the human family because now Cain is born with a fallen nature. He's not just the first man to be born or child to be born, but he's born with a fallen nature. He's born with a nature disconnected from God. He is post-curse. Shortly after Adam and Eve are driven from the Garden of Eden, as punishment for their sin, Cain is conceived. Now, following their fall, God delivered the very first prophecy. Here we go, another first. The first prophecy in the Bible is Genesis 3.15. So we always remember John 3.16, God so loved the world. Most of us know that one or are familiar with it. So you got John 3.16. It's easy to remember Genesis 3.15. In Genesis 3.15, God is talking to the serpent after the fall of Adam and Eve and his seduction of Eve. And God says to the serpent, here's what's happening to you. Let me, let me read you your mail and tell you your fate. He says, I'm going to put enmity, conflict, war between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. So the enmity... The war, the weapon God chooses to crush the devil's head will be a man. That's Genesis 3.15. He says, between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, which means a death blow, and you, serpent, will strike his heel. Now, this was God informing the devil that the seed of the woman, one would arise from her seed that would deal a death blow, crush the head of the wily serpent who was Satan. And then God also said, you, Satan, are going to strike his heel. You're going to strike his heel. Now, Genesis 3.15 set in motion the rest of the entire Bible. If you want to understand the whole Bible, you start with Genesis 3.15. Because God said, I'm going to bring forth a man... Out of the woman's seed, Satan, he's going to crush your head. Well, then God moved down a few chapters. Genesis 12, verse 1, we see God calling Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram becomes the head of the Jewish race. And out of the Jewish race would come Messiah. So the whole drama of the Bible flows out of Genesis 3.15 in that prophecy. Okay? So... Interestingly, God not only tells the devil his fate, but he also tells the devil, you're going to strike his heel. This is an uncanny, unbelievable, remarkable prophecy of Jesus' death on the cross where his heel was struck, struck through with a nail. That was the fulfillment. Satan moved that crowd to hang him on the cross. And on the cross, his heel was thrust through with a nail. And so God said, he's going to, crush your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. 
Now, I really believe it's possible that Eve thought that when Cain was born, this was the man that God had talked about in Genesis 3.15. I think that Eve surmised, wondered, is this the one? Because she had no sense of time. She did not know how long it would take for Genesis 3.15 to come to pass. So as far as she knows, this first boy is the crusher of Satan's head. But oh, not even close. This first son would so break her heart. Her firstborn son would wind up being the very first bad boy of the Bible. He would murder for the very first time. He is the first one to stain the soil of earth with a murdered life, having killed his own little brother. Now, the story goes like this. One day the two brothers, Cain and Abel, came to make an offering to the Lord. And the original language calls it a a thanksgiving offering. This was a worship offering. They were actually coming to make an offering and, and come to God and thank Him and worship Him and also ask Him for blessing on their life. So they're coming to God. They're saying, here, here we come. We're approaching you and we're doing it by an offering. So you got the first worship offering in the whole Bible, in the book of beginnings, the book of firsts. Genesis. First two boys making the first offering from the first two parents. Now, one of them ended up being called a man of faith, and the other one became a cursed man. The cursed man was Cain. What made him go bad? What was the mistake? Now, keep in mind, the Bible says that God gave us all these biographies so that we would learn from them. So what can we learn from Cain? Well, first thing we see Cain doing is Cain rejected God's way. Can you say that with me? He rejected God's way. Oh, God has a way. Listen, there is a truth. There is non-negotiable truth with God. God's truth does not bow, bend, or break according to the whims of a culture. God's truth transcends cultures And God's truth never changes. Isn't that good to know that what was true a thousand years ago is true today? Two thousand years ago is true today? That you can't bend or break or form or shape truth to what you want it to be. God's truth is God's truth, and it's not relative to the situation. So we see that Cain rejected God's truth. He rejected God's way. It's important to keep in mind that when Adam and Eve sinned, you remember that God brought them tunics of skin, uh, Uh, to cover themselves with. He brought them tunics of skin. And you know what that tells us? That an animal had to be killed to give them tunics of skin. So we can also say blood was shed to cover their sin. That's the idea in Genesis. Blood was shed to cover their sin. By taking the life of an animal, God covered them. And God was beginning to speak to the first couple and the first family way back in the beginning. He was beginning to teach them immediately following the fall of man into sin. There is only one way your sin is covered, and that is by the blood. There's only one way that sin is atoned for, and that's the blood. There is only one way to approach me, and that is by way of blood. He began to teach this to the first family way back in the ancient Garden of Eden. 
It's by blood you approach me. It's by blood your sin is covered. The Bible says, without blood there is no remission of sin. And this thought was also confirmed when God declared that the Redeemer would have his heel bruised. That means he would shed blood. Bruising is the, is the shedding of blood. That God was intimating way back in Genesis 3.15 that, that the Redeemer must shed blood to crush Satan's head. That involved in the crushing of Satan's head and defeating the devil, there would be the shedding of blood. That's why Satan hates the blood. I love singing, oh, the blood of Jesus, because if there's any demons around, they flee. The devil doesn't like the blood. The devil hates the blood of the lamb because the blood of the lamb was his undoing, and it still is. They overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Amen? So watch this now. Here comes the two boys. And when Cain and Abel brought their offerings, their offerings revealed... Which boy had faith and which one didn't? Which one was obedient and which one wasn't? Which one really wanted God and which one actually didn't? Because Cain brought from the fruit of the ground. You know what that that is? He brought God a vegetable offering. You know what it represents? He's saying, God, here is my own best effort to get to you. I'm bringing you a symbol of my good works. And I'm asking you to receive me my way. Abel came with a blood offering. It says he offered a sacrificed animal to the Lord. Now, I don't like that. It may sound kind of cruel, but here's the deal. God, way back then, was paving the way and setting the pace and, 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 and setting up a sign that pointed down the tunnel of time to the day that his only begotten son would die on a cross of shame and shed his blood for you and for me. Everything God did in the Old Testament was types and shadows of what was to come. He was saying, you must come by the blood. You must come through the blood and the day is going to come when the ultimate blood is going to be shed once for all in the person of my son so way back then he taught them so here comes Cain with his offering and Abel with his Cain here's here's a vegetable offering but Abel oh God I'm coming your way according to your instruction according to what you have shown me and my parents you have shown us you have taught us as the first family that we must come by way of the blood so the Bible says in Hebrews 11:4 It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So what is the message of Abel? Here's the message of Abel. If you want to get to God, do it his way. If you want to come to God, you must come by the way that he has set up. And it's not by your own good works or your own good ideas. You can't do it your way. You've got to do it his way. And it's by way of the blood. And that is the way that Abel still speaks today. Because that's the message of the Lord today. You can't come by way of Buddha. You can't come by way of Krishna. You can't come by your own good works. You must come to me by way of the blood of my only begotten son. Or you don't come at all. Abel still speaks today, but Cain, on the other hand, 
had rejected the way of the blood to atone for his sins. He brought an offering of fruit. And where we read that the Bible, it says in the verse we read, that God didn't look favorably at Cain's offering. You know what the Hebrew actually says that it was written in? The Hebrew says God wouldn't even look at it. God wouldn't even look at his own way to get to him. So when we say, uh, you know, God, I've never gotten a traffic ticket. I'm really a good guy, good dad, good mom. I'm a good American citizen. That's a vegetable offering we bring to God. And you know what? God won't even look at it. He says, but what did you do with the blood of my son? That's all I want to know. You see where we're going here, church? This is, there's a real message here. Now, not only did Cain reject God's way, but Cain also rejected God's grace. Because watch this. Seeing that Cain was very angry over his offering being rejected, uh, God came to him personally and said to him, had a little talk with him. He said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. God came to Cain and said, look, Listen, we can fix this. Yeah, yeah, you messed up the first time. You thought that I would take you based on your, your best effort. But no, you don't understand, Cain. This is all by grace. You've got to come my way in obedience to what I have established. But we can fix this. You didn't do it right the first time, but we can do it right now, Cain. We can, we can fix this. You're still alive. You haven't slipped into eternity yet. So God said, Approach me the right way by way of a blood sacrifice, and I will accept it. God was saying it's not about favoritism, Cain. I don't love Abel more than you. This is not personal. It's about coming to me in the way that I have established. Let's say there's a billionaire in America, and this billionaire has sent out a message. Let's say Donald Trump did this, just so we can have a name. And he he said, listen, I've got billions and billions of dollars, and I'm going to give you a phone number to call, one 800 one, two, three. One, two, three, four. You call that number and I'm going to give you some of my riches. Now, what would you say to a person who said, wow, that Donald Trump, he is something else. He has offered me some of his riches. If I will just call him, I'm going to do that. But you know, I don't like one, two, three, four. I think one, two, three, three sounds better. It just resonates more with me. It's more according to my taste. So I'm going to call him one, eight, hundred, one, two, three, one, two, three, Three. Now, if you're there, you go, hey, stupid. (laughs) Don't you understand that when it's a phone number, you've got every number exactly right? Oh, but Donald Trump will understand my sincerity. And somehow he will get to me because I really do mean well and I really like him. I just don't want to do it his way. I want my own number to get to him. So for for a year, you call 1-800-123-1233. Or 1-800-123-1235. Or whatever mix you want. And, and finally, you go to some of your friends and you say, I am so frustrated that Donald Trump is the biggest liar because I've been calling and calling and calling and he has not sent me a dime. And you say, tell me what you've been calling. I've been calling 1-800-123-1235. But that's not the number. Oh, come on. The exact number doesn't matter that much. I'm sincere. Donald will find me. You know where I'm going. You say, now, I'll tell you, 
It's maybe remotely possible that some fluke could happen with the phone company and you would somehow, some way, get through. But I'm going to tell you, there will never be a fluke when it comes to getting into heaven unless we dial 1-800-J-E-S-U-S. That's the only way. You say, Jeff, come on, you've got to be more open-minded than that. God's not. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And see, we Americans, we don't like that because that means we've got to do things a certain way. And that means also that there is an absolute truth that I can't negotiate out of. I like doing it my way. Cain rejected God's way. And when he did that, he rejected God's grace. He said, I'm going to do this my way. I'll choose my own path, my own approach, my own truth, my own number. Here's the vegetables, God. God said, that's not the right number. I told you to come by way of the blood. So Cain is really the first religionist. I'll achieve righteousness by my own works, not by grace. And he's the first relativist. Oh, surely this truth that I've got to come by way of the blood is negotiable, changeable, uh, uh, shapeable, that I don't have to do it exactly that way. It's relative to the situation. And my truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth, and, and I'll just pick my truth, and God will see my sincere heart, and so the way I approach Him doesn't really matter so much as the sincerity of my heart, but it does. Now listen, the attitude of Cain is the very attitude resting on America and much of the world today. America has been infected with relativism, with political correctness, with this whole notion that there is no absolute truth, that whatever I decide is truth is my truth. But the Bible warns there is a way that looks right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You can think it's right, you can feel that it's right, but if it's not God's way, his clearly declared way. It won't work. You won't walk through the gates of heaven and you won't experience the kingdom of God on earth unless you come his way. That's the message of Cain. We've rejected in America one way, one truth, one savior. And we said, oh, no, no, no. There's a plurality of possibilities. But, but church, Listen carefully to me. If there was a plurality of possibilities, wouldn't Jesus have told us so? And what did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one gets to the Father but through me. 1-800-JESUS. There's not a plurality of gods or options. That's the message of the Bible. And our culture hates that. Go out there on the streets and say there's only one way to God and see what happens. Go on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC and say there's only one way and watch what happens. We don't like that. People are called bigots. They're, they're called narrow-minded. They're called uneducated. They're called not so bright if they take that position. But that is the position Jesus gave us. I'm going to shed my blood. And unless you look at that blood... For your salvation, you will not enter heaven. Whether it's the path of Buddhism, self-righteous humanism, 
the emptiness of Christless New Age mysticism, or just believing that we're essentially good and we don't need God's forgiveness, all of those are false roads. We don't like it all being told by God like Cain was, you'll be accepted if you'll just do it my way. Through the shed blood of my son, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but would come into eternal life. That's the only way. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and I'm not ashamed to stand up here and say, it's the only way. I'm not going to tell you, dial any number you want, you'll get there. You won't. When he rejected God's way, watch this. Cain fell prey to the crouching sin or lion of sin. When Cain rejected God by rejecting the blood, he opened a deadly door. And we always do. We always, when we resist grace, we open a very deadly door. What is grace? It's when Jesus comes knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Revelations 3.20. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and fellowship with him. And he with me. The knock is the knock of grace. Here I am. I'm knocking. I'm knocking before you go too far. I'm knocking before you make a fatal mistake. I'm knocking while you can still hear me knocking. And if you hear me and open the door, I will come in. God warned Cain. He said, will not your face be happy if you do well? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door waiting to destroy you. So watch this. Here's grace, and here is rejecting grace on my left. If if I take the grace, I'm going to have a happy face. Can I just put it this way? Grace leads to a happy face. But if I reject the grace and turn this way, I've got something crouching waiting to pounce on me, and it's sin. And it pounces. Because when I reject grace, let me put it this way. Grace rejected is destruction accepted. So if I reject grace, I'm embracing destruction. Say, wow, Jeff, this is heavy stuff on a Sunday morning. I I came for you to tell me that everything's going to be great and God's going to give me a bunch of money and he just wants me to be happy no matter what. I can't do that. i got to tell you that the only way to a real happy face is God's grace. And God's grace comes through the blood of the Lamb. And that's the phone number. Sin crouching at the door pounced as Cain became filled with jealousy, anger, and bitterness towards Abel. He he turned aside God's offer. God said, go offer me a blood offering. You're accepted. He rejected it. And so get this, him and Abel are walking through a field. Here you got Cain. He's rejected the grace. The lion has pounced. And I'm going to tell you how the Bible puts it. In the original language, it's like this. They're walking. He's he's putting on a whole front. He's lying to his brother about his intention for the walk in the field. And they're walking. And it says all of a sudden, Cain pounced like the lion that God described. And he slit his brother's throat. You know why he did it that way? He was mocking Abel's offering because when Abel made the the blood offering, that's the way you took the animal's life. You, You cut the throat. So he was mocking 
the way that Abel had made his offering by killing him that way. And Abel, his brother, bled out in the ground and, and died. And, and so he literally pounced on him. And, and there you've got sin finding its way already into the human race through the fallen nature that is resisting the grace of God. And God comes knocking. He says, hey, Cain, where's your brother? And you know what he did? He popped off at God. Oh, my. He sassed him. He said, my, my brother's keeper. You want him, you go find him. That's the idea. And God said this, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. He said, you think you've hidden something from me? You haven't hidden anything from me. I saw what you did. And that blood is talking to me. Now, you know what's interesting? Again, the original language, where it says the voice of your brother's blood. Do you know the original, it gives blood a plural? It's really saying the voice of your brother's bloods is crying to me from the ground. You know what the message is? Cain, you didn't just kill your brother. You killed everybody that would have come from him. You killed everybody that would have come from him. Now, with 50 million abortions in America, you think that innocent blood isn't crying out to God? And how many? We could say 50 million children, but in God's way of thinking, it was not just 50 million, all the descendants that would have been, which is an incalculable number. Abortion is our current holocaust. Don't let anybody tell you it's not a life. They do not know what they're talking about. David said, in my, in my mother's womb, you wove me, created me, formed me. And shaped me. The word crying means that innocent blood talks to God. It talks to God. It says, hey, avenge me. My life was cut short. Avenge me. The blood of Abel. uh, And listen, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. You know why? Because the blood of Abel cried out for justice. But the blood of Jesus cries out for reconciliation and peace. The blood of Jesus has hope. When I pray to God, I don't ever say to God, give me the justice I deserve. I wouldn't be standing up here, and you wouldn't be sitting out there. I say, oh, God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Amen? How about you? I love God's mercy. Thank God he's merciful. So Cain, the first child born on earth, became the first murderer, and he also became the first fugitive. For God banished him. He told Cain, when you till the ground, it's no longer going to yield its strength to you. So notice, God touched and cursed the very thing that he tried to get into heaven with. Because it wasn't God's way. A fugitive and a vagabond, you will be on the earth, Cain. And it says, sadly, here's one of the saddest statements in the whole Bible. It says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. He literally, here's the idea, he says, I reject your way, I'm not coming by way of the blood. And then he said, I reject your grace, I'm not going to go do it right now that I know what the right way is, has been clarified to me. And he said also, I reject your presence. He went out from the presence of the Lord. Here's the Lord's presence, he turned this way. And he walked away from God. So Cain, what we learn from this first bad boy is you do it God's way. And when God gives you a second chance, you take it. 
And you don't go away from the presence of the Lord. You go towards the presence of the Lord. You don't walk away from God. So can we stand together today? Say with me, he rejected God's way. He rejected God's grace. And he rejected God's presence. And you know what? Never again did Cain seek the Lord. His entire life from then on was lived out in spiritual darkness by his own choosing. So why did God put that in the Bible? So that you and me would accept God's way. So that we would receive his grace when we've made a mistake. And so that we would seek his presence and not reject it. Can we bow together in prayer today?